you're listening to the Sassy Solopreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Silva, first-generation Latina, digital entrepreneur, and an online educator. On this show, you're getting an exclusive backstage pass on how I transformed my food blog, A Sassy Spoon, into a sustainable and profitable multi-six-figure business as a party of one. Tune in each and every week for the sassy vibes, authentic, no BS conversations, and actionable advice on how you too can build the profitable food blog business of your dreams. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited you're here. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about how food bloggers make money. So if you've been following me for a while, I'm sure you remember that I used to share income reports on my food blog, A Sassy Spoon, that would detail revenue, expenses, and traffic numbers either on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis. And I did that as a way to almost like pay it forward because income reports are pretty much the reason why I started my own food blog. So I posted my first income report back in January of 2019 when I finally felt like I had something of value to share. The previous year, 2018, I had made $85,000 from my food blog and that just blew me away because I was just like, whoa, okay, hold on. I made more money than I've ever made in any job in my life from a website. This is insane. Everyone must know. I never shared these income reports as a way to show off or in, in a boastful way at all. It was always like, oh my God, you guys, I have the best secret ever that everyone must jump on. Like everyone needs a blog immediately. You know, like that was the vibe, right? So those income reports are no longer available on the site. But I still wanted to provide an update on, you know, all the things and how food bloggers make money, especially if you're starting a food blog now in 2023 or if you are wanting to monetize your current food blog. So before we jump into talking all things money and numbers, I will hold back nothing. I'm very big on transparency. I want to first define what a food blogger is and what they do. Because again, this is a very new industry in the world of digital marketing. And a lot of people still don't know what a food blogger does or who they are. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, I remember being told, oh, so you go to restaurants, take pictures with your phone and share them on Instagram. And, <laughs> you know, that's not exactly it. A food blogger is more of a recipe developer and food photographer that also writes and does SEO and keyword research. And I mean, we wear many hats, okay? And I remember, you know, back in the day, I was sharing with someone that I was creating recipes and shooting with my DSLR and, you know, sharing on my WordPress site. And she was so confused by the whole thing. She was like, why are you going through all that trouble? Just go to a restaurant and take a picture and post it. And so that's why I wanted to pretty much explain a little bit about who we are. And yeah, we basically do it all. You know, we do the research to make sure that recipes are actually searchable. That's what keyword research is. We do the grocery shopping. We do the cooking, the styling, the shooting, the editing, the writing. And we publish on an optimized WordPress site so that Google likes us and shows us to people. All in an effort to, you know, share this free content, these free recipes 
and attract an audience that we can later monetize. That is content marketing in a nutshell, really. And it's a lot, you know. I often say the word blogger doesn't really justify all that we do because we do so much. So as I mentioned, I started my food blog back in 2016 after quitting my full-time job because I was just like over it. And I was, you know, I was basically hustling my way through agency life, working with culinary clients. Prior to that, I was climbing the corporate ladder in healthcare, super unhappy and uneventful. And so when I quit my agency job and decided to jump into content marketing, aka start my food blog, I literally had no idea what I was doing. Even though from the outside in, it did look like I knew what I was doing. Let's just say no one knows what they're doing when they first get started, okay? Like everyone's a beginner at one point. That's just how it is. But considering I had a handful of uh, quote-unquote failed blogs and online ventures under my belt, I was nervous about once again giving all this a try, you know? But after going through rabbit holes of research and discovering pinch of yum's income reports i have to say those income reports really inspired me to give food blogging a fair shot they're one million percent the prime reason i'm here today because i saw potential i was like okay if they can make it happen why can i you know and that's what i started make doing my own income reports too because i was like everyone needs to know this everyone needs to see how capable they are of doing this if i can do it they can do it too so this is why we're here And this is what we're going to talk about today. So first, let's talk about how food bloggers actually make money. So the the actual like income sources that food bloggers make money from. So the first one is display ads. Display ads are a form of online advertising where a third-party website promotes their goods and services in the form of like an image or a video and they place it on your site, okay? Now, depending on the ad network, you'll either get paid by CPC, which is cost per click, or RPM, which stands for revenue per thousand impressions. And for the most part, ad networks will pay via RPM. And so RPM is basically an assigned rate that you earn for every thousand scrolls a page receives. So as readers are scrolling through your recipes, You're making money off of those impressions, off of those scrolls, right? And readers don't have to click on anything. If you get paid cost per click, they would have to click on those ads for you to make money. But that's not the case when you're paid via RPM. So each ad network has a certain number of requirements, whether that's having a high quality website with properly structured content or proper plugins, site speed is on point. Your page views are not coming from one source, meaning that they're not coming like from social media. They want them to primarily come from organic search, which is Google, right? From a, from an actual search uh, engine. And so aside from that, then every ad network has different page view thresholds that are required for you to be accepted into them. So for example, to join Mediavine, you need 50,000 monthly sessions. To join AdThrive, which is now Raptive or Raptive, I'm not sure how to say that, Uh, you need 100,000 page views. And so the difference between a page view and a session, a page view is when a page on your site is visited by a user, while a session is a collection of page views by one user. 
And so every blog is assigned a certain RPM by their ad network, which is completely out of our control as publishers, even though I have my own speculation on what is factored into an RPM. But for the most part, for every thousand page views, you get that assigned rate, right? So for example, if your RPM is $30 and your blog receives 50,000 monthly sessions in one month, you'll make $1,500 in that month from those display ads. My food blog receives about 3 million pages per year. So you do the math. <laughs> now, aside from display ads, other income streams include brand partnerships, affiliate marketing, freelance work, and products and services. So brand partnerships, you can either partner with a brand on sponsored content, which means that they are basically paying you to create a recipe using their product and for you to like shout them out on social media or your blog. Or you can create content for them for their platforms, whether that's video, recipe development, or photography. And you would agree on a certain scope of work where you would create the content for them and send them the assets based on what you guys agreed on. And then for affiliate marketing, those are commission-based links, which means anyone that clicks on that specific links and makes a purchase using that link, you get a commission based off of that. So that could either be a link that you grab from Amazon or if you partner with an actual brand and you guys have an agreed upon like rates that you'll get paid if someone uses your link, that's affiliate marketing. And so there's different ways for you to use this on either your blog or social media or even through email, but you can generate a separate income from these affiliate marketing links. Next is freelance work, which can range from social media management to ghostwriting or any other client gig. Sometimes it's food photography. I did that at one point. I worked with different bloggers or brands to shoot photos of their recipes so they can use it on their platforms. That's also something that you can do. And then lastly, products and services. That's merch, ebooks, consulting, coaching, any type of product or service that you want to sell that maybe, you know, makes sense for you, for your business, or that you have the expertise to sell as well, you can absolutely do that. So I will say the most steady income source of all of these will probably be display ads because that's the one that's more passive. However, it's the one that takes the longest to grow right? Because to be able to make enough money from these display ads, you need to have been doing this for a while. You have to have a, a very consistent amount of page views and grow your business over time. So something to keep in mind, right? In other words, everyone aims for wanting to do display ads, which is totally fine, but it's also the one that takes the longest to monetize. Whereas you can partner with a brand, you can do the affiliate marketing links, you can do freelance work, and that will pay you a lot quicker, obviously, because you're just exchanging time for money. And so from the outside looking in, I'm sure this all looks really easy, right? It looks like, oh, they're just sharing recipes with pretty photos. That's cool, you know, but to be honest, we are managing 
a whole content marketing based business. That's that's really what a food blog is. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, okay, but isn't food blogging dead? Because I keep hearing that food blogging is dead. And I will say blogging as it was in the past where you just jumped on a blog and told stories, that's absolutely dead, 150%. But food blogs as a complete resource that offers consistent value to readers and provides helpful info, that's definitely not dead. Okay, long gone are the days of blogging being like a Tumblr account or a live journal where you simply share about your day-to-day life. These days, people are looking for solutions, you know, and a blog or a website is a great way to provide those solutions for your readers. Okay, so now let's talk about the good stuff. This is what you've been waiting for, right? Let's talk numbers. So as of right now, 2023, at the time of this recording, I average about $23,000 a month in gross income. This means that the number does not include expenses like taxes, groceries, equipment, web hosting, contractors, accountant, tools, subscriptions, education. It's a lot, okay? Every month is different and expenses do grow as your business grows because as the saying goes, you need to spend money to make money, right? That's basically the only way to scale. But from that monthly gross income, the breakdown is as follows. 70% come from the ad revenue on a sassy spoon, which is the display ads on the food blog. That one income stream generates six figures alone. 29% come from the blog coaching that I do on the side. And 1% comes from affiliate marketing. I'm working on that one, but it's, it's a slow burn. And as you can see, I haven't secured any brand partnerships this year or any freelance work, which is something I usually do as an additional way of making money. However, that was on purpose because I really want to focus more on building out the content on my blog and growing my brand, you know, doing this podcast, continuing to coach food bloggers. Doesn't mean that I'm not open to brand partnership. I just haven't been actively seeking them. You know, instead, I'm just aiming towards building this brand and nurturing it, etc. But this wasn't always my business model. You know, I definitely started with a more brand partnership and freelance focused type of business model first. But here's the thing. The best part of having your own business is that you can create your own adventure here. Okay, if you want to start or stop doing something, you can absolutely do that. You don't need permission from anyone. So for me at this point in my career, seven years in, I'm okay with continuing to focus on the blog and building out my personal brand and less on seeking out brand partnerships. And again, that could change too, because there's never a dull moment when you're an entrepreneur, am I right? (laughs) I have to say, since 2016, since I started A Sassy Spoon, I've been able to accomplish so much, which is why I'm so like passionate about this, why I wanted to do this episode today and why I wanted to share and be so transparent. It's because not only have I made legit more money than I've ever made ever, but I've paid off $70,000 in student loan debt in 22 months, which was insane. I've become completely debt free. I've achieved a six-figure net worth that I've never had before ever. It was negative for a long time. (laughs) I also work fewer hours and get paid more. I get to work on my own terms. I get to work my own hours. 
and feel complete freedom and flexibility by working for myself. And again, I want to make this clear. This has been years in the making. This is not overnight success. The overnight success was that it took seven years, okay? (laughs) There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that usually are not shown on Instagram or anywhere. But when growing a business, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. But it's still completely possible for anyone to work towards this goal, you know? And if that's your goal, I have to say, with the right strategy, lots of resilience, because it is what it is, uh, and tons of patience, you can absolutely do this for yourself as well, you know? If someone were to ask me today, what would you say to someone who wants to become a full-time food blogger or the infamous six-figure food blogger, quote-unquote, I, I will tell them these three things. Number one, you have to start. Okay, plain and simple, you just have to start. You won't get anywhere unless you start. You know, get your domain, sign up for the quality host, install WordPress, start building out those content pillars, like just get started, you know? And I mean, if you want to DM me on Instagram, I can send you the link to my host, which I love, and they can install WordPress for you. I mean, they're the best. And I can also send you my content planning guide, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Let's see who, who sends me a DM. But the key here is what I'm trying to get at is you just have to start, you know, and I know that's so hard because I've, I've definitely had moments in my life. I mean, this podcast is it's a perfect example. It took me forever to start it. I've been wanting to start it for a long time. But, you know, you get in your head and you just talk yourself out of things. But I have to say that if I didn't take that leap of faith, if I didn't take the plunge, if I didn't start the blog, even if I didn't know what I was doing, because I really didn't, but I started this is where I am today. Had I not started, I would have still been working for someone else. I still would have been unhappy in my career. God knows what I would have been doing. And so that's my number one thing. I'd say stop overthinking, just start. No one knows what they're doing. (laughs) Even if you think they do, no one knows what they're doing. Okay. Everyone was a beginner at one point. So it's okay to suck at the beginning because everybody sucks at the beginning, but you're going to get better. The more you do it, the more you'll get better at it. You just have to convince yourself not to stop. That's really the key. There's no quitting. You start and you go. Okay. Number two, you need to put in the same amount of energy and effort that the blogger that you want to emulate has done. In other words, if you see another blogger that you admire and you love and it took them three years to make six figures and that's what you want, you also want to make six figures from your food blog, then You need to focus on doing the same amount of work or more to get those six figures. In other words, if they took three years, you need to take three years to do it. There's no overnight success here, folks. There's no shortcuts. There's no magical solution. It's all in the work that you don't want to do. (laughs) That's how you get those six figures. Because I know it's easy to scroll through Instagram and get caught up in the whole like, well, if they could do it, I could do it in five minutes. And honestly, that's that's not always the case. You know, it may appear like they did it in five minutes and, you know, they may appear as an overnight success, but they're not because there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes, especially with any type of media business. And so it's the same as when you look at someone that lost 50 pounds and you're like, oh, my goodness, I could do that, too. They don't show the waking up at 5 a.m. and the working out every day and the eating right. And there's there's 
levels to the shit, right? So don't get caught up in the highlight reel because it sometimes will mess with your brain and you'll you'll think that you can achieve these massive goals in a short amount of time and then you end up feeling like a failure when you don't. When really, it's all about consistency as much as, you know, I sound like a broken record, I'm sure. But it's all about putting in the effort little by little, day by day, continuing to chip at it Because before you know it, three years will pass by and suddenly you've made your goal. And you're like, I can't believe it. I'm so glad I didn't quit. And it's going to continue to grow. And your future self will thank you. So don't get caught up in the Instagram BS, okay? And then my last one, number three, say no to shiny object syndrome. I say this a lot because it's so easy to get off track. And as soon as you're this close to a breakthrough, you're like, oh, let's try something else. And I know this because I'm speaking from experience. So many times that's happened to me where I'm like, if I just would have stuck with it, I would have been so much further ahead in my career. So stay in your lane. Focus on simply building your content so that you don't have to start again from zero. Okay, because that's what happens if you switch lanes. If you decide to jump from one thing to the next, you start from zero each time. The more you do something, the longer you stick to it, the more success you'll see. And the more knowledge you build, too. Because especially if you don't know what you're doing at the very beginning, like most of us, all of us, (laughs) the more you learn. And, you know, whether that's content creation, video, writing, SEO, developing new recipes, whatever it is, you're building knowledge in that specific topic that's only going to propel you forward. You know, it's only going to help you monetize those skills in the future it's only going to help you grow your blog or your or whatever business you're trying to build whether it's like a content creation business whatever it is the more you do something the more knowledge you will build on that topic you have to admit that the entrepreneur that's stuck to something for 10 years is way more ahead than the entrepreneur that jumped five times within that 10-year period It's just how it is. That's why I tell you, say no to shiny object syndrome, put your blinders on, and stay in your lane. That's a wrap on this conversation. I would love to know if this resonated with you. I'd love to know what you're feeling, what's your biggest takeaway. Send me a DM on Instagram at thejamiesova or tag me on stories. And also, if you can rate and review the show, that would be so helpful. The more ratings and reviews that the show gets, the more listeners we attract. So I would really appreciate if you did that. And if there's anything that you want to chat about in a future episode, DM me. Let me know. I'd love to hear it. And that's that on that. I'll catch you on the next episode.